Good evening. Welcome to the Just Sleep Podcast. I'm Tasha, your host. Every week, I will read you an old story to help you relax, put the stressful day behind you, and drift off to sleep. Occasionally, we will run ads in order to cover the costs of the production of the podcast. Rest assured, there will be no ads during or after the story. If you prefer an ad-free and intro-free show, you can join Just Sleep Premium. Visit justsleeppodcast.com slash support for more information. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tonight, I will be reading two stories featuring Loki, Loki's children, and the dwarf's gifts. So lie down, close your eyes, and let me read you a story. Loki's children. Red Loki, the wickedest of all the Aesir, had done something of which he was much ashamed. He had married a giantess, the ugliest, fiercest, most dreadful giantess that ever lived, 
and of course he wanted no one to find out what he had done, for he knew that Father Odin would be indignant with him for having wedded one of the enemies of the Aesir, and that none of his brothers would be grateful to him for giving them a sister-in-law so hideous. But at last, Allfather found out the secret that Loki had been hiding for years. Worst of all, he found out that Loki and the giantess had three ugly children hidden away in the dark places of the earth. Three children of whom Loki was even more ashamed than of their mother, though he loved them too. For two of them were the most terrible monsters which time had ever seen. Hela, his daughter, was the least ugly of the three, though one could scarcely call her attractive. She was half darkness and half light, which must have looked very strange, and she was not easily mistaken by anyone who chanced to see her, you can well understand. She was fierce and grim to see, and the very sight of her caused terror and death to him who gazed upon her. But the other two, one was an enormous wolf with long, fierce teeth and flashing red eyes, and the other was a scaly, slimy, horrible serpent, huger than any serpent that ever lived, and a hundred times more ferocious. Can you wonder that Loki was ashamed of such children as these? The wonder is how he could find anything about them to love. But Loki's heart loved evil in secret, and it was the evil in these three children of his which made them so ugly. Now when Odin discovered that three such monsters had been living in the world without his knowledge, he was both angry and anxious, for he knew that these children of mischievous Loki and his wicked giantess wife were dangerous to the peace of Asgard. He consulted the Norns, the three wise maidens who lived beside the Udar well and who could see into the future to tell what things were to happen in coming years. And they bade him beware of Loki's children. They told him that the three monsters would bring great sorrow upon Asgard, for the giantess, their mother, would teach them all her hatred of Odin's race, while they would have their father's sly wisdom to help them in all mischief. So Odin knew that his fears had warned him truly. Something must be done to prevent the dangers which threatened Asgard. Something must be done to keep the three out of mischief. Father Odin sent for all the gods and bade them go forth over the world, find the children of Loki in the secret places where they were hidden, and bring them to him. Then the Aesir mounted their horses and set out on their difficult errand. They scoured Asgard, Midgard, the world of men, Utgard and Jotunheim, where the giants lived. And at last, they found the three horrible creatures hiding in their mother's cave. They dragged them forth and took them up to Asgard before Odin's high throne. Now, Allfather had been considering what should be done with the three monsters. And when they came, his mind was made up. Hela, the daughter, was less evil than the other two, but her face was dark and gloomy and she brought death to those who looked upon her. She must be prisoned out of sight in some far place, where her sad eyes could not look sorrow into men's lives and death 
into their hearts. So he sent her down, down into the dark, cold land of Niflheim, which lay below one root of the great tree, Yggdrasil. Here she must live forever and ever. And because she was not wholly bad, Odin made her queen of that land, and for his subjects she was to have all the folk who died upon the earth, except the heroes who perished in battle, for these the Valkyries carried straight to Valhalla in Asgard. But all who died of sickness or of old age, all who met their deaths through accident or men's cruelty, were sent to Queen Hela, who gave them lodgings in her gloomy palace. Vast was her kingdom, huge as nine worlds, and it was surrounded by a high wall so that no one who had once gone thither could ever return. And here, thenceforth, Loki's daughter reigned among the shadows, herself half shadow and half light, half good and half bad. But the Midgard serpent was a more dangerous beast even than death. Odin frowned when he looked upon this monster writhing before his throne. He seized the scaly length in his mighty arms and hurled it forth over the wall of Asgard. Down, down went the great serpent, twisting and twirling as he fell, while all the sky was black with the smoke from his nostrils and the sound of his hissing made every creature tremble. Down, down he fell, with a great splash into the deep ocean which surrounded the world. There he lay, writhing and squirming, growing always larger and larger, until he was so huge that he stretched like a ring around the world, with his tail in his mouth and his wicked eyes glaring up through the water towards Asgard, which he hated. Sometimes he heaved himself up, great body and all, trying to escape from the ocean which was his prison. At those times, there were great waves in the sea, snow and stormy winds and rain upon the earth, and everyone would be filled with fear lest he escape and bring horrors to pass. But he was never able to drag out his whole hideous length, for the evil in him had grown with his growth, and a weight of evil is the heaviest of all things to lift. The third monster was the Fenris wolf, and this was the most dreadful of the three. He was so terrible that at first Father Odin decided not to let him out of his sight. He lived in Asgard then, among the Aesir. Only Tyr the brave had courage enough to give him food. Day by day, he grew huger and huger, fiercer and fiercer, and finally, when all fathers saw how mighty he had become, and how he bid fair to bring destruction upon all Asgard if he were allowed to prowl and growl about as he saw fit, Odin resolved to have the beast chained up. The Aesir then went to their smithies and forged a long, strong chain, which they thought no living creature could break. They took it to the wolf to try its strength, and he, looking sideways, chuckled to himself, and told them do what they would with him. But as soon as he stretched himself, the chain burst into a thousand pieces, as if it were made of twine. Then the Asir hurried away and made another chain, far, far stronger than the first. If you break this, O Fenrir, they said, you'll be famous indeed. 
Again, the wolf blinked at his chain. Again, he chuckled and let them fasten him without a struggle. For he knew that his own strength had been increased since he broke the other. But as soon as the chain was fastened, he shook his great shoulders, kicked his mighty legs, and snap. The links of the chain went whirling far and wide, and once more, the fierce beast was free. Then the Asir were alarmed for fear that they would never be able to make a chain mighty enough to hold the wolf, who was growing stronger every minute. But they sent Skirnir, Frey's trusty messenger, to the land of the dwarfs for help. Make us a chain, was the message he bore from the Asir. Make us a chain stronger than any chain that was ever forged, for the Fenris wolf must be captured and bound, or the world must pay the penalty. The dwarves were the finest workmen in the world, as the Asir knew, for it was they who made Thor's hammer and Odin's spear and Baldur's famous ship, besides many other wondrous things that you remember. So when Skirnir gave them the message, they set to work with their little hammers and anvils, and before long, they had welded a wonderful chain such as no man had ever before seen. Strange things went to the making of it, the sound of a cat's footsteps, the roots of a mountain, a bear's sinews, a fish's breath, and other magic materials that only the dwarfs knew how to put together. And the result was a chain as soft and twistable as a silken cord, but stronger than an iron cable. With this chain, Skirnir galloped back to Asgard, and with it the gods were sure of chaining Fenrir. But they meant to go about the business slyly, so that the wolf would not suspect the danger which was so near. Ho, Fenrir, they cried, here is a new chain for you. Do you think you can snap this as easily as you did the last? We warn you that it is stronger than it looks. They handed it about from one to another, each trying to break the links, but in vain. The wolf watched them disdainfully. There is little honor in breaking a thread so slender, he said. I think that I could snap it with one bite of my big teeth. But there may be some trick about it. I will not let it bind my feet. Not I. Oh ho, cried the seer. He is afraid. He fears that we shall bind him in cords that he cannot loose. But see how slender the chain is. Surely, if you could burst the chain of iron, O Fenrir, you could break this far more easily. Still the wolf shook his head and refused to let them fasten him, suspecting some trick. But even if you find that you cannot break our chain, they said, you need not be afraid. We shall set you free again. Set me free, growled the wolf. Yes, you will set me free at the end of the world, not before. I know your ways, O Asir. And if you are able to bind me so fast that I cannot free myself, I shall wait long to have the chain made loose. But no one shall call me coward. If one of you will place his hand in my mouth and hold it there while the others bind me, I will let the chain be fastened. The gods looked at one another, their mouths drooping. Who would do this thing and bear the fury of the angry wolf when he should find himself tricked and captured? Yet, this was their only chance to bind the monster, 
and protect Asgard from danger. At last, bold Tyr stepped forward, the bravest of all the Aesir. Open your mouth, Fenrir, he cried with a laugh. I will pledge my hand to the trial. Then the wolf yawned his great jaws, and Tyr thrust his good right hand, knowing full well that he was to lose it in the game. The Aesir stepped up with the dwarf's magic chain, and Fenrir let them fasten it about his feet. But when the bonds were drawn tight, he began to struggle, and the more he tugged, the tighter drew the chain, so that he soon saw himself to be entrapped. Then how he writhed and kicked, howled and growled in his terrible rage. How the heavens trembled and the earth shook below. The seer set up a laugh to see him so helpless, all except Tyr. For at the first sound of laughter, the wolf shut his great mouth with a click, and poor brave Tyr had lost the right hand which had done so many heroic deeds in battle, and which would never again wave sword before the warriors whom he loved and would help to win the victory. But great was the honor which he won that day, for without his generous deed, the Fenris wolf could never have been captured. And now the monster was safely secured by the strong chain which the dwarfs had made, and all his struggles to be free were in vain, for they only bound the silken rope all the tighter. The Aesir took one end of the chain and fastened it through a big rock, which they planted far down in the earth, as far as they could drive it with a huge hammer of stone. Into the wolf's great mouth, they thrust a sword crosswise so that the hilt pierced his lower jaw while the point stuck through the upper one. And there in the heart of the world he lay howling and growling but quite unable to move. Only the foam which dripped from his angry jaws trickled away and over the earth until it formed a mighty river. From his wicked mouth also came smoke and fire and the sound of his horrible growls. And when men hear this and see this, They run away as fast as they can, for they know that danger still lurks near where the Fenris wolf lies chained in the depths of the earth. And here he will lie until Ragnarok, until the end of all things. The Dwarf's Gifts Red Loki had been up to mischief again. Loki, who made quarrels and brought trouble wherever he went. He had a wicked heart, and he loved no one. He envied Father Odin his wisdom and his throne above the world. He envied Baldr his beauty, and Tyr his courage, and Thor his strength. He envied all the good Aesir who were happy, but he would not take the trouble to be good himself. So he was always unhappy, spiteful, and sour and if anything went wrong in Asgard, the kingdom of the gods, one was almost sure to find Loki at the bottom of the trouble. Now Thor, the strongest of all the gods, was very proud of his wife's beautiful hair, which fell in golden waves to her feet and covered her like a veil. He loved it better than anything except Sif herself. One day, while Thor was away from home, Loki stole into Thrudheim, the realm of the clouds, and cut off all Sif's golden hair till her head was as round and fuzzy as a yellow dandelion. Fancy how angry Thor was when he came rattling home that night 
in his thunder chariot and found Sif so ugly to look at. He stamped up and down till the 540 floors of his cloud palace shook like an earthquake and lightning flashed from his blue eyes. The people down in the world below cried, Dear, dear, what a terrible thunderstorm. Thor must be very angry about something. Loki has been up to mischief, it is likely. You see, they also knew Loki and his tricks. At last, Thor calmed himself a little. Sif, my love, he said, you shall be beautiful again. Red Loki shall make you so, since his was the unmaking, the villain. He shall pay for this. Then, without more ado, off set Thor to find Red Loki. He went in his thunder chariot, drawn by two goats, and the clouds rumbled and the lightning flashed wherever he went. For Thor was the mighty god of thunder. At last he came upon the sly rascal who was trying to hide. Big Thor seized him by the throat. You scoundrel, he cried. I will break every bone in your body if you do not put back Sif's beautiful hair upon her head. Ow, you hurt me, howled Loki. Take off your big hand, Thor. What is done is done. I cannot put back Sif's hair. You know that very well. Then you must get her another head of hair, growled Thor. That you can do. You must find for her hair of real gold, and it must grow upon her head as if it were her own. Do this, or you shall die. Where shall I get this famous hair, whined Loki, though he knew well enough. Get it from the elves, said Thor. They are cunning jewelers, and they are your friends. Go, Loki, and go quickly, for I long to see Sif as beautiful as ever. Then Loki, of the burning beard, slunk away to the hills where, far underground, the dwarfs have their furnaces and their workshops. Among great heaps of gold and silver and shining jewels, which they have dug up out of the earth, the little crooked men in brown blink and chatter and scold one another, for they are ugly fellows, the dwarfs. Tink, tank, tink, tank, go their little hammers all day long and all night long, while they make wonderful things such as no man has ever seen, though you shall hear about them. They had no trouble to make a head of hair for Sif. It was for them a simple matter indeed. The dwarfs worked fast for such a customer as Loki, and in a while the golden wires were beat out and drawn out, made smooth and soft and curly, and braided into a thick golden braid. When Loki came away, he carried with him also two other treasures which the clever dwarfs had made. One was a golden spear, and the other was a ship. Now these do not sound so very wonderful, but wait until you hear. The spear, which was named Gungnir, was bewitched, so that it made no difference if the person who held it was clumsy and careless, for it had this amazing quality that no matter how badly it was aimed or how unskillfully it was thrown, it was sure to go straight to the mark, which is a very obliging and convenient thing in one's weapon, as you will readily see. And Skidbaldnir, this was the harsh name of the ship, which was even more wonderful. It could be taken to pieces and folded up so small that it would go into one's pocket. 
but when it was unfolded and put together, it would hold all the gods of Asgard for a sea journey. Besides all this, when the sails were set, the ship was sure always to have a fair wind, which would make it skim along like a great bird, which was part of the charm, as any sailor will tell you. Now Loki felt very proud of these three treasures, and left the hill cave, stretching his neck and strutting like a great red turkey cock. Outside the gate, however, he met Brock, the dwarf who was the brother of Sindri, the best workman in all the underworld. Hello, what have you there? asked Brock of the big head, pointing at the bundles which Loki was carrying. The three finest gifts in the world, boasted Loki, hugging his treasures tight. I don't believe it, said Brock. Did my brother Sindri make them? No, answered Loki. They were made by the elves, the sons of Ivaldi, and they are the most precious gifts that ever were seen. Poe, puffed Brock, wagging his long beard crossly. Nonsense. Whatever they may be, my brother Sindri can make three other gifts more precious. That I know. Can he, though? laughed Loki. I will give him my head if he can. Done, shouted the dwarf. Let me see your famous gifts. So Loki showed him the three wonders, the gold hair for Sif, the spear, and the ship. But again the dwarf said, These are nothing. I will show you what the master smith can do, and you shall lose your bragging red head, my Loki. Now Loki began to feel a little uneasy. He followed Brock back to the smithy in the mountain where they found Sindri at his forge. Oh yes, he could beat the poor gifts of which Loki was so proud but he would not tell what his own three gifts were to be. First, Sindri took a pig's head and laid it on the fire. Then he went away for a little time, but he set Brock at the bellows and bade him blow, blow, blow the fire until Sindri should return. Now when Sindri was gone, Loki also stole away, for as usual, he was up to mischief. He had the power of changing his shape and of becoming any creature he chose, which was often very convenient. Thus, he turned himself into a huge biting fly. Then he flew back into the smithy, where Brock was blow, blow, blowing. Loki buzzed about the dwarf's head, and finally lighted on his hand and stung him, hoping to make him let go the bellows. But no, Brock only cried out, Oh wee, and kept on blowing for dear life. Now soon back came Sindri to the forge and took the pigskin from the fire. Wonder of wonders, it had turned into a hog with golden bristles, a live hog that shone like the sun. Brock was not satisfied, however. Well, I don't think much of that, he grumbled. Wait a little, said Sindri mysteriously. Wait and see. Then he went on to make the second gift. This time, he put a lump of gold into the fire. And when he went away as before, he bade Brock stand at the bellows to blow, blow, blow without stopping. Again, as before, in buzzed Loki the gadfly as soon as the master smith had gone out. This time, he settled on Brock's neck and stung him so sorely that the blood came and the dwarf roared till the mountain trembled. Still, Brock did not let go the handle of the bellows, but blew and howled, blew, 
and howled with pain until Sindri returned. And this time, the dwarf took from the fire a fine gold ring, round as roundness. Um, I don't think so much of that, said Brock, again disappointed, for he had expected some wonderful jewel. But Sindri wagged his head wisely. Wait a little, he said. We shall see what we shall see. He heaved a great lump of iron into the fire to make the third gift. But this time, when he went away, leaving Brock at the bellows, he charged him to blow, 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 without a minute's rest, or everything would be spoiled. For this was to be the best gift of all. Brock planted himself wide-legged at the forge and blew, blew, blew. But for the third time, Loki, winged as a fly, came buzzing into the smithy. This time, he fastened viciously below Brock's bushy eyebrow and stung him so cruelly that the blood trickled down a red river into his eyes and the poor dwarf was blinded. With a howl, Brock raised his hand to wipe away the blood and of course, in that minute, the bellows stood still. Then Loki buzzed away with a sound that seemed like a mocking laugh. At the same moment, in rushed Sindri, panting with fright, for he had heard that sound and guessed what it meant. What have you done? he cried. You've let the bellows rest. You've spoiled everything. Only a little moment, but one little moment, pleaded Brock in a panic. It has done no harm, has it? Sindri leaned anxiously over the fire, and out of the flames he drew the third gift, an enormous hammer. Oh, said Brock, much disappointed. Only an old iron hammer. I don't think anything of that. Look how short the handle is, too. That is your fault, brother, returned the smith crossly. If you had not let the bellows stand still, the handle would have been long enough. Yet, as it is, we shall see. We shall see. I think it will at least win for you, read Loki's head. Take the three gifts, brother, such as they are, and bear them to Asgard. Let all the gods be judges between you and Loki, which gifts are best, his or yours. But stay. I may as well tell you the secrets of your three treasures, or you will not know how to work them. Your toy that is not wound up is of no use at all. Which is very true, as we all know. Then he bent over and whispered in Brock's ear, and what he said pleased Brock so much that he jumped straight up into the air and capered like one of Thor's goats. What a clever brother you are, to be sure, he cried. At that moment, Loki, who had ceased to be a gadfly, came in, grinning, with his three gifts. Well, are you ready? he asked. Then he caught sight of the three gifts which Brock was putting into his sack. A pig a ring, and a stub-handled hammer, he shouted. Is that all you have? Fine gifts indeed. I was really growing uneasy, but now I see that my head is safe. Let us start for Asgard immediately, where I promise you that I, with my three treasures, shall be thrice more welcome than you with your stupid pig, your ugly ring, and your half-made hammer. So together, they climbed to Asgard, and there they found the Aesir sitting in the great judgment hall on Ida Plain. There was Father Odin on his high throne, 
with his two ravens at his head and his two wolves at his feet. There was Queen Frigg by his side, and about them were Baldur the Beautiful, Frey and Freya, the fair brother and sister, the mighty Thor, with Sif, his crop-eared wife, and all the rest of the great Aesir who lived in the upper world above the homes of men. Brother Aesir, said Loki, bowing politely, for he was a smooth rascal. We have come each with three gifts, the dwarf and I, and you shall judge which be the most worthy of praise. But if I lose, I, your brother, I lose my head to this crooked little dwarf. So he spoke, hoping to put the Aesir on his side from the first, for his head was a very handsome one, and the dwarf was indeed an ill-looking fellow. The gods, however, nodded gravely and bade the two show what their gifts might be. Then Loki stepped forward to the foot of Odin's throne. At first, he pulled from his great wallet the spear Gungnir, which could not miss aim. This he gave to Odin, the all-wise. And Odin was vastly pleased, as you may imagine, to find himself thenceforth an unequaled marksman. So he smiled upon Loki kindly and said, Well done, brother. Next, Loki took out the promised hair for Sif, which he handed Thor with a grimace. Now when the golden locks were set upon her head, they grew there like real hair, long and soft and curling, but still real gold, so that Sif was more beautiful than ever before, and more precious too. You can fancy how pleased Thor was with Loki's gift. He kissed lovely Sif before all the gods and goddesses, and vowed that he forgave Loki for the mischief which he had done in the first place, since he had so nobly made reparation. Then Loki took out the third gift, all folded up like a paper boat, and it was his ship, Skidbaldnir. I'm sorry they did not give it a prettier name. This he presented to Frey the Peaceful. And you can guess whether or not Frey's blue eyes laughed with pleasure at such a gift. Now when Loki stepped back, all the Aesir clapped their hands and vowed that he had done wondrous well. You will have to show us fine things, you dwarf, quoth Father Odin, to better the gifts of Red Loki. Come, what have you in the sack you bear upon your shoulders? Then the crooked little Brock hobbled forward, bent almost double under the great load which he carried. I have what I have, he said. First out he pulled the ring, Drupnir, round as roundness and shining of gold. This the dwarf gave to Odin, and though it seemed but little, yet it was much. For every ninth night out of this ring, he said, would drop eight other rings of gold, as large and as fair. Then Odin clapped his hands and cried, O wondrous gift, I like it even better than the magic spear which Loki gave, and all the other Asir agreed with him. Then out of the sack came grunting gold bristle the hog, all of gold. Brock gave him to Frey to match the magic ship of Loki. This gold bristle was so marvelously forged that he could run more swiftly than any horse on air or water. Moreover, he was a living lantern. From the darkest night he bristled with light like a million-pointed star, so that one riding on his back would alight the air and the sea like a firefly wherever he went. This idea pleased Frey mightily, 
for he was the merriest of the gods, and he laughed aloud. "'Tis a wondrous fine gift,' he said. "'I like old gold bristle even better than the compressible boat, "'for on this lusty steed I can ride about the world "'when I'm tending the crops and the cattle of men "'and scattering the rain upon them. "'Master Dwarf, I give my vote to you.' "'And all the other Asir agreed with him. "'Then out of the sack, Brock drew the third gift. "'It was the short-handled hammer called Mjolnir. And this was the gift which Sindri had made for Thor, the mightiest of the gods, and it was the best gift of all. For with it, Thor could burst the hardest metal and shatter the thickest mountain, and nothing could withstand its power. But it could never hurt Thor himself, and no matter how far or how hard it was thrown, it would always fly back into Thor's own hand. Last of all, whenever he so wished, the great hammer would become so small that he could put it in his pocket, quite out of sight. But Brock was sorry that the handle was so short, all owing to his fault, because he let the bellows rest for that one moment. When Thor had this gift in his hand, he jumped up with a shout of joy. "'Tis a wondrous fine gift,' he cried, with a short handle or with a long, and I prize it even more than I prize the golden hair of Sif which Loki gave, for with it, I shall fight our enemies, the frost giants and the mischievous trolls and the other monsters, Loki's friends. And all the Asir will be glad of my gift when they see what deeds I shall do therewith. Now, if I may have my say, I judge that the three gifts made by Sindri the dwarf are the most precious that may be. So Brock has gained the prize of Loki's red head, a sorry recompense indeed for gifts so masterly. Then Thor sat down, and all the other Asir shouted that he had spoken well, and that they agreed with him. So Loki was like to lose his head. He offered to pay instead a huge price if Brock would let him go. But Brock refused. The red head of Loki for my gift, he insisted. And the gods nodded that it must be so, since he had earned his wish. But when Loki saw that the count was all against him, his eyes grew crafty. Well, take me then, if you can, he shouted. And off he shot like an arrow from a bow. For Loki had on magic shoes, with which he could run over sea or land or sky. And the dwarf could never catch him in the world. Then Brock was furious. He stood stamping and chattering, tearing his long beard with rage. I'm cheated, he cried. I have won but I have lost. Then he turned to Thor, who was playing with his hammer, bursting a mountain or two and splitting a tree here and there. Mighty Thor begged the dwarf, Catch me the fellow who has broken his word. I've given you the best gift, your wonderful hammer. Catch me then the boasting redhead which I have fairly bought. Then Thor stopped his game and set out in pursuit of Loki, for he was ever on the side of fairness. No one, however fleet, can escape when Thor follows, for his is the swiftness of a lightning flash. So he soon brought Loki back to Ida Plain and gave him up a prisoner to the dwarf. I have you now, boaster, said Brock fiercely, and I will cut off your red head in the twinkling of an eye. But just as he was about to do so, Loki had another sly idea. Hold, he said. It is true that you have won my head 
but not the neck, not an inch of the neck. And all the gods agreed that this was so. Then Brock was puzzled indeed, for how could he cut off Loki's head without an inch of the neck too? But this he must not do, or he knew the just Asir would punish him with death. So he was forced to be content with stopping Loki's boasting in another way. He would sew up the bragging lips. He brought a stout, strong thread and an awl to bore the holes, and in a twinkling he had stitched up the lips of the sly one, firm and fast. So for a time at least, he put an end to Loki's boasting and his taunts and his lies. It is a pity that those mischief-making lips were not fastened up forever, for that would have saved much of the trouble and sorrow which came after. But at last, after a long time, Loki got his lips free, and they made great sorrow in Asgard for the gods and on earth for men, as you shall hear. Now this is the end of the tale which tells of the dwarf's gifts, and especially of Thor's hammer, which was afterwards to be of such service to him and such bane to the enemies of the Aesir. And that also you shall hear before all is done. Good night. <laughs>